the those birds that like fly in the weird 3D geometric patterns. Oh, those things are beautiful. Um, what is, what is the plural of those? Murmuration. Murmurations. Wow. Uh, what are, what are the Well, I mean, when J- Jeff is uh Jeff is a, a tele- gaggle of gaggle of gays. I know that one. But that's not <laughs> that's not Jeff. <laughs> a ja, what's a ja word a, for that? A jalopy of Jeffries. <laughs> 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 Something like that. Well, the one for rabbits is a fluffle. Is it really a fluffle? Fluffle. Yeah. So a, a warren is like a, a structured group of rabbits, but a fluffle is just like any random collection of rabbits. Wow. Which is one. great because I just want to say the word fluffle over and over. <laughs> yeah. Okay, there it goes. <laughs> and now it's time for another episode of Monkeys in Robot Suits. And robots in monkey suits. With me, Jeff Byron. And me, Noah Smith. And special guest today, a friend of mine, Jeff Lewis. Another Jeff. This is a jalopy of Jeffs and a Noah. <laughs> that's the I've plural been... noun, folks. <laughs> that's the way it goes. Um, yeah, no, Noah, I'm stoked to introduce you to Jeff. Jeff's, uh, Jeff's been, he's been helping, he's been, we've been testing Bandcast since the, since the summer. And we've been working. We've got another podcast that we we publish on Jeff's YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Jeff, what is your YouTube channel called? Uh, I think it's just my name. It doesn't have a name yet. I I think it's either GP Lewis or Jeffrey Lewis zero nine. GP Lewis. That's your social media handle. GP Lewis is my social media handle. You'll find me everywhere. And I think that the way that I have to introduce Jeff is as an artist, poet, writer, and the way that I like to think of his art is he uses the internet and social media as a canvas. It's, Ooh. I mean, you, you do have a, a medium, um, a medium blog and stuff like that, or is it sub Substack? I have Medium and Substack and Tumblr. You just do it all. And Patreon. Damn. It's just you're, you're, and... you're everywhere. I mean, Jeff is on, he's on Twitter, Instagram, like just everywhere on social media at all places at once. He's like, uh, there's many Jeffs. I mean, it's, I'm slowly in each place. I think each one is like a voice and they're not, none of them are the same. And I don't repeat really anything. Um, but no, that was a beautiful introduction. Thank you. Um, and Noah, great to be here with you. I've been an admirer of your writing voice and mind oh my for a long time. So uh, you're making me blush. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> very cool to be here with you. Um, and yeah, Jeff has become a confidant and sort of like a second consciousness to me in a big way. I mean, he knows so much about music. Um, that's maybe what what got us talking was I was fascinated with his experience as a touring musician with some bands that I quite like. And we kept getting into it and into it and into it. And uh, we've recorded eight uh, calls between us using this app here um, that I'm proud to host on my own channel. And yeah, looking forward to seeing what kind of magic we make between the, the three of us. 
All right, I don't, I don't want to get our expectations too high. That's good. <laughs> we, That's good. We might just say the word fluffle a lot for about 45 minutes. <laughs> so, you know, like Noah actually came on tour uh, with, he, he came, he was basically our tour manager in Japan in 2016. <laughs> I mean, I'm, awesome. I, I would wow. actually call you a tour manager because we would have been lost without you. Like, it's a promotion from Roadie. <laughs> well, you, were you a roadie? I mean, I guess you did store our equipment in your room one, one night. <laughs> is that what is that what real roadies do? I mean, I carried things. You carried things. You carried my bag. I remember that. Yeah, well, it, we were we were we were we had like a one one or two week tour in Japan, and I like I hit Noah up and I said, "Hey, we're gonna go to you. We, you promised we were gonna go to Japan, so now's my now's our chance. I'm going there with Batwings, Catwings." the band I'm in with my wife and uh, and Noah came and at first we were all starving when you got there because we were all vegetarian and <laughs> vegan and we hadn't eaten in like days because there was nothing to eat and we didn't know how to actually explain to anyone that we didn't eat seafood and meat and all that so you saved us um, but then we hung out in Osaka and Tokyo and that was awesome too wow. yeah. yes I, uh, I did know how to find vegetarian restaurants with Google Maps <laughs> I thought it was going to be easier. It's Japan is surprisingly non-vegetarian. Japan is surprisingly carnivorous. <laughs> Japan is weird in a number of ways. Like people do not understand how conservative Japan is in many ways. I mean, like um, people don't really give money to like people on the street or, uh, you know, it's, it's actually very anti-vax. Like you think of Japan as this hmm. extremely advanced science-based country and blah blah blah, and that, but it's really anti-vax. There was a um, there was a negative like allergic reaction or something like that to uh, a batch of vaccines sometime in like the '90s, I think, early '90s. And since then, there's been huge anti-vax sentiment in Japan, which is why people are kind of scared to take this COVID vaccine now. Hmm. They're scared in Japan to take a COVID vaccine. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, I guess if you live on an island and you're you're used to dealing with things in island ways, like closing the borders or you know whatever, maybe maybe you think you got things figured out. So 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 yeah, pounding pounding a new drug that hasn't been tested. I don't know, but that you were saying they're conservative. They're they're not just anti-vax, but they're how how else is it more conservative in, in Japan? I mean, just they don't have vegetarians of... there, I guess. Social attitudes, I think, are, are pretty conservative in general. Uh, Japan was later to, like, recognize, I don't know, gay marriage or something like that. Um, I know it's, that. It's that, different. You know, it's the conservatism is different there than here. There's definitely, like, conservatism in, the, uh, in just the way that everything functions. I mean, everything is, everything's got to be done a certain way. I felt like even, even like setting up our equipment, it had to be done in a certain way. It was like, there's no, there's no leeway there. Very conservative, even when they're putting on a show. Right. Yeah. But, um, yeah, pretty cool to see some of those underground clubs in Japan. How long did you live in Japan when you were there, Noah? I was there for two and a half years the first time and about a year after that. So three and a half years total. That's cool. Jeff, have you so, ever lived abroad? Yeah. Lived abroad? No, I have not. So Jeff's from the Bay Area also. And he's got a, besides being 
an artist and a writer and a poet. He's got a background as a tech recruiter. And we, we don't talk I about did, that much, but. I did it for for three years when I when I moved back to the Bay Area after living in New York. Um, I sort of fell into this line of work and it was interesting and made a good enough living to live in San Francisco and did my reading and writing and Twitter on the side until what inevitably happens is my job got in the way of my Twitter habit. And so <laughs> I just like, you know, I've always in my jobs the last seven years, it's like, I want to like, I try to get it to the like minimum viable work. And it's like, I'm going to arrive at this time and leave at this time. And like, stuff everything in there and like work a perfect work day and then like be done with it. But many careers, it just doesn't work like that. No matter how tight you stuff it, you got to work 60 hours a week if you want to stay on the team. I've never had a job. I've never had a job like that where I could lock it into a certain number of hours. I think the closest thing was maybe when I was, man, maybe... Maybe my first job out of college, I worked at a, at a recording studio. But the thing was, is the recording studio was music and it was my life. So even afterwards, it was like I was constantly mm -hmm. doing it. Because you wanted to do it and because it was on your mind and you you cared about doing good work. So you didn't want to leave. I guess so. I've always kind of done my own thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Now, what's your work experience aside from writing? Uh, I was a professor at Stony Brook University. I taught finance for a few years. Nice. Um, before that, I was in grad school. And before that, I was just like editing books and papers in Japan. That was my job in Japan. It was like, you know, pretty easy job, but, but fun. Because uh, I got to learn a million things through editing stuff that people wrote about it. Mm -hmm. I always had a fantasy of be being a... Um a professor and it's funny because i am i am one now basically but i i would like you know just uh i mean you you were you were a professor at stony brook did you do economics research as well or were you ma mainly just teaching classes? well i was i was supposed to i didn't really <laughs> uh, but I, I i did a bunch of stuff and then you know didn't uh didn't publish it because i realized uh or didn't try to publish it because i realized pretty quickly that i didn't want to be in academia uh, but was there pressure from the university to, from, from the sure. school to, to do that? Cause I, I oh, don't of course, really, of course. I don't really know how it works. It's, just, it's a weird business model when like your, your most prestigious employees are professors who are supposed to be teaching, but then also publishing, publishing books and papers and research and all this stuff. Um, but yeah, I always thought that sounded quite nice to just get old and have the university pay my salary <laughs> and just hang out with hang out with young smart people all the time. Although, I don't know. Now that I I technically am a, a technically do teach at a university, it's not everyone is is really that smart that I'm teaching. But all my students are really smart. So if you're listening to this and you're my student, you're you're one of the good ones. <laughs> it's a little repetitive. Right. Um, have you ever taught Jeff too? Um, not formally, uh -huh. not like put me in front of a classroom and give 
students to me. No, I don't think anyone would ever trust me with that. <laughs> I think that would be a mistake. Yeah, I mean, because I don't think anyone could. Yeah. yeah. I don't really do curriculum per se. Uh-huh. I feel like I'm kind of getting to the point where I've kind of got a standard rant and sort of curriculum vitae as far as like, here's what I would teach you about this subject. Um, but I'm, I sort of want to break the rules all the time. Like if I'm going to show up to a meeting and to a job or a task that's on my schedule, it's like, I'm showing up to change the nature of what the thing is. Sort of like with a podcast, it's like, well, what can a podcast be that we don't know it could be? Right. Um, we're not exactly breaking new ground on this podcast. It's simply <laughs> some people sitting around chatting with each other. That is the typical podcast. And if I may uh, divert for a moment, I think that Bandcast, uh, Jeff's um, app, you know, really plays on that that fact. The, the the fact that most people don't need some slickly produced production every time mm-hmm. they make a podcast. Most people are just going to chat and other people are going to listen to it. And that's what most people like to make. And that's what most people like to listen to. I agree. I think that actually the word podcast, I, I don't know if it's going to stick around forever. It's, mm. it's, it's, it's something that I use because it's the easiest way to communicate what we're doing. But we're really, I mean, we're really just three people hanging out and recording our conversation. We're recording our meetup which is kind of cool when you think about it. I mean, I know that I'm going to get old and I'm going to regret not having more recorded conversations with my best friends. I'm, I'm just going to be like, I'm going to want to relive that and to be able to share that with other people. You know, if you're listening to this and you happen to, you happen to like us, uh, with the things that we're saying, or you, you've met us before you're friends with us. This is an opportunity to share, share a little bit of our voices, share a little bit of us. Hmm. And I think, that is, I think that's what's kind of cool. And that's what's kind of unique about this thing. It's not about a produced podcast, it's not about a thing that's supposed to deliver any sort of information to your brain. It's not mm. about, uh, it's not about even having a theme. It's just, it's maybe it's just to make you feel like you're not alone <laughs> or something like that. Mm. But I think, but I still think that, uh, that can be, you can still challenge that even, you know? You can still ch- challenge what, well, yeah, what the hell are we doing here? What are we going to talk about? Maybe we're just going to say fluffle over and over again. It's a good word. <laughs> or maybe we're going to make up other words. Um. So wait, so you guys met on Clubhouse? Is that what happened? No, I think we met in a Twitter group chat. If we trace it back to where we first saw each other. Oh, in the wild, okay. yeah. It was in a Twitter DM called Art Cycle that a mutual friend of ours set up for some artists and some cryptocurrency enthusiasts and designers and weirdos started out with like eight people and sort of grown to like the high teens maybe. And it's been going for about two years now. Yeah. Um, it's a pretty cool group. Group chats are strange. Um, Cause you don't know. I mean, it's kind of like a long, long form podcast of like, let's throw a group together and do some asynchronous. Here's a text box. Feel free to send pictures or words or links or whatever. And like, whatever catches fire, catches fire. And it's like a culture waiting to happen that each person kind of pushes 
their own kind of stuff into it. Others respond or they don't. I mean, so many must die, but the ones that keep going, I mean, every group chat deserves like a documentary about it. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting. Yeah, Noah, you're in a few group chats, right? Uh, yeah, I am. Unfortunately, I hate group chats because <laughs> not because the inherent idea of a group chat is bad, but because Twitter handles them so badly. Uh, like the yeah. way they're the way they're presented on the screen, you can't search, you can't do threaded replies, you can't like just click and reply to something. It's just hell. You can't keep up with the discussion if you're not there. Yeah, um, that's the problem that I have. Yeah. It's just hmm. Twitter has not engineered its group chats well. WhatsApp group chats are just so much easier to keep up with and follow than Twitter group chats. Yeah. I think the thing about our art cycle group chat is that there's no expectation for everyone to like follow everything. It is kind of like pop in and share whatever you've got to share and see who's around. It's kind of like, it is kind of like clubhouse and Jeff and I do, we do this sort of tag team clubhouse thing. And in fact, Jeff, you're kind of my clubhouse enabler in a way. (laughs) <laughs> um, because you, you, you'll ping me and be like, I'm on, you should come into this room and the ball's in here. He's talking about good, stuff. you know, like you're always telling me what's going on, which makes me want to be there. But, um, there is this kind of new phenomenon and I think it's probably, we're probably going to see more of it in social media in the future is this sort of drop in, drop in experience. Just uh-huh. pop- explain, tell us more about that. Well, I mean, like, you know, the, the reason that our, the, the reason that uh, that our that our group chat works is that you don't you, you're you're not required to know the people in the room or um, what they've been talking about or anything. You can just pop in and then share your art or 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 type something or take a photo of something, and whoever happens to be there and sees it responds. And sometimes people respond to things that are a day old or like maybe two days old. Um, it's there. It's asynchronous, as Jeff said, but it's still there's no pressure. And Clubhouse is kind of like that too. I, I think that's kind of neat that you can have a room where people just pop in, and uh, and and um, and who knows how this is going to develop more in social media. Maybe people do want spontaneous experiences. Maybe that's something that that's been missing from the internet in a while. Or I don't know. I mean, there's definitely something that I get out of being a part of that group, and there's something that I get out of those spontaneous clubhouse meetups and uh, i'm still trying to put my finger on exactly what it is um you know i mean yeah i am i I imagine i I imagine bandcast also in the future being a sort of thing where like i'm gonna go on twitter and i'm gonna throw out this this uh this invitation and anybody who wants to come join we're doing it live right now or 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 if it's if it's its own social media platform that's how it works it's i'm live right now i'm going live with noah smith and jeff jeff lewis and anybody can join in. And if you want to, you can even join the conversation. Jump on stage with us. That would be so that's, cool. Yeah. I mean, to some, degree, to, to some degree, Clubhouse does do that. Um, but then what happens with Clubhouse is two things. Number one, you know, um, it's not really structured, you know, as, as well. It's, it's more unstructured. And, um, and it's not recorded. You know, that conversation can't be listened to asynchronously. The one thing I'm not going to be on, I'm going to miss it. I have, I mean, maybe that keeps people glued to the app, but I get FOMO, you know? Yeah. And, and things, I mean, well, Clubhouse will probably have to figure it out at some point. 
But right. one of the things that makes our art cycle uh, group chat work is that you can respond to things that are days old. And if people pop in and they, they read through the stuff of the last few days and they see something cool or they hear something cool, and I imagine that you have a voice chat app where you can actually go back and listen to stuff that is even years old and then still respond to it. Like it's a running thread on Reddit or something that gets revived. Or, I mean, how do you keep conversations like that going? I, I definitely think there's, there's, a, there's more to be developed in, in the world of social media. I think that we are just starting to scratch the surface and you're starting to see problems and the problems aren't just in the way that we communicate it's how we it's how we share information with the unknown or it's how it's how it's how we're sold uh our our attention is sold to advertisers it's all these things that we haven't figured out how to do yet so these are the things that fly through my head sorry jeff what were you gonna say well i was gonna say that social media is a replacement for your own next thought right twitter <laughs> is always there twitter's always there if i don't want to have my own next thought i go to the feed if i don't want to to go to That's my next meeting or call fucking true so wait the fact I that i read a lot of twitter actually means that i don't have any original thoughts this explains much <laughs> this well, now no. i see so, what's been happening to okay. me okay <laughs> so so here's here's what i think it is that each of us as a human being, certainly as a content creator, mm. we are a, I'll use the term negative uh, in the photography sense that we, that the negative contains everything else. It contains everything that is not the other thing. And it's almost like a love relationship where the two lovers fit each other perfectly. It's almost like we are perfectly not the real world. And so we have to read to understand what our role is. And then we write and create and put stuff into the feed that only we could do. Right. I, I'm, you know, I'm sitting here kind of listening to that and I'm like, that is deep. And I'm also really worried that my rabbit chewing a stick is going to mess up this recording. Can you hear the rabbit chewing the stick? Nope. No. Nope. Okay, Can't good. Hear. Because it sounds really loud to me. <laughs> nah, it's fine. All right. Okay. Back to the, the deep exegesis of, um, <laughs> of, uh, of, of social media thought. Yeah. Well, one of the, uh, so one of the, the, the running themes in the recordings that Jeff and I do for me has been the search for my own boredom, which I have lost because social media has replaced my boredom. I never actually get bored anymore because I always have a phone in front of me that can do so many things. And, uh, and, and I, I feel like that's one of those things where like when I don't, it, it sucks my creativity because as Jeff said, like social media is, is often a replacement for your next thought or it is your next thought or whatever. I think for me, that's definitely true rather than pick up my guitar and play something new. Um, I'll open up Twitter and see what the last thing somebody said about Trump or whatever the fuck. And that takes me to the next scrolling thing. I don't know if that has anything to do with your deep thought, Jeff, but maybe, maybe you can reiterate. No, I think it does. I mean, we don't know what to do. Um, I mean, this is certainly true when our job is to be at a laptop 
and to be making a choice of, well, what information do I need next in order to make my next action? And then how do I make that action once I'm there? And how do I make that action visible to the right people in the org chart, as it were, to play the game of visibility, which is any workplace? Um, and I mean, to have Twitter there as well, running alongside you executing your job is insane, which is what fried my brain and my heart and my soul. And it's like, well, I either leave my personal phone at home and I just totally immerse in the world of the work and the workplace and the industry, right? I mean, like, for example, people who are employees at Facebook, there's an internal Facebook that you can go read and post on as an employee. Really? Now, how, how anybody makes the choice of whether to look at their own Facebook as a consumer with their own friends and family versus <laughs> that one there, that choice alone fries the brain completely. <laughs> completely. Because hmm. you have to be abandoning someone, right? You have to be neglecting someone. To hmm. make the choice is to not do the other thing, right? There's the negative. And this has to involve, you know, the one and zero inside a computer has to involve the positive and negative in the atom that we're made of. Like this duality, this has to be what, you know, religion has been about. Whether to use the internal Facebook or the external one. Yeah. Noah, do you ever, do you ever go on walks without your phone? Uh, no, but I sometimes go on walks where I don't use my phone. That's, 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 I, I don't, you know what, actually, I probably do. I don't really I, go on walks alone. I, I don't have a <laughs> compulsion to use my phone all the time. I uh, mean, yeah. uh, you know, actually, I used to, to be honest, like, for a while I did. And then I just sort of got bored of looking at my phone all the time. And I think yeah. now I'm more likely to use it just as an audiobook listening device. So I listen to like audiobooks while I walk around. But sometimes, I mean, you know, not, not all the time. I just... I well, have the phone there. It's like back when you had a flip phone, you weren't always looking at it, right? Back in the old yeah. days. Well, I'm I'm kind of back to that, I think, because <laughs> I don't need to check Twitter. And I'll, like, I'll be honest, starting a blog and, and blogging has changed the way that I interface with the media sphere and with the national conversation and all that stuff. I don't, I don't feel that Twitter is my medium for responding to things. Oh, that's I feel good. now sort of like Substack blog is my main medium for responding to things. Mm -hmm. And that, like, if I really have something to say, I'll just blog it. And if I don't, why am I really saying anything? I'm just sort of shooting the shit with randos. And that's all right. I mean, you need to shoot the shit with randos some in the time of COVID, mm -hmm. uh, just because, you know, everyone's so isolated. But I think that Twitter is just a terrible forum for expressing ideas no matter what. It's terrible. And wow. And blogging has has is, is just so much better. That's fascinating to hear you say that. That Twitter is a terrible uh, way to express yourself. Yes. Yeah, I, I mean, can go I, on about I, that I, if you want all day. Like, I'm not. Twitter's I'm not off. sure I'm ready for it. I mean, because I've I've read some of your threads and they've meant a great deal to me. And to hear you now say this, <laughs> it makes me wonder about that old phrase, you know, never meet your heroes. But that's, well, no, the, the point is that like, it was really hard work to, to make those threads mean anything or, or get any point across. It's like making a, trying to make a sculpture with like Play-Doh, you know, it's like, Toothpicks. if you do a great sculpture with Play-Doh, 
it's like it's bragging rights yeah <laughs> and like you know but, but cool. it was hard like any of those yeah. threads would have been better as a blog post but i just wasn't you know like i wow. the, the virality of twitter the the distribution of twitter was really seductive the fact that i could wow. just you know blast this out to like 180,000 people or however many it was like that was that was seductive now that i am <laughs> focusing more on audience quality and don't really care about going viral or blasting out too much people it's just it's so much easier mm. to get a point across in in write, in like blog writing than in a thread. Wow. Because I mean, okay, so first of all, a thread has to be broken into these tiny discrete chunks. Um, uh, people then respond to individual chunks without reading a whole thread, and it fragments <laughs> the entire discussion. Um, you know, and you have to more than that, and knowing that they're going to do that shapes the the way you're forced to make the thread because you have to make each tweet self-contained enough that if people retweet it, they're not going to totally miss the point and take you out of context. Whereas mm. with, with a blog post, you know, there's a pretty good expectation that if someone reads paragraph five, then they've also read paragraph four and there's a good <laughs> chance they're going to read paragraph six. But in, in Twitter threads, you know that they're only, like a lot of people are only going to see one of the tweets. So that, that tweet is going to be the first way they engage with a thread. So that's in, if you think about it, it's more like an episodic TV structure. It's like having to, it's like having to make each TV episode like self-contained story like they used to do all the time. Like, like you watch these old Star Trek episodes and you're like, damn, how do they fit a full story with character arcs and everything into every damn episode? Because now they have they have arcs that last all season or all show, right? But like then you just, you, each episode is its own thing and you had to be able to watch it independently of any other episode. And that's what a tweet thread is like. And it's just a much harder format to make it good. Wow. Wow. <laughs> First of all, it's really interesting to hear to hear you talk about to hear, to hear your thoughts on Twitter, Noah, because I, I, I feel like um, because Twitter ha has been your main forum in the past, and it's also been like, it's been tied to your, your identity or your brand or, or whatever. That's, that's your voice. It's still your voice on Twitter. Right. Um, and I know it's, it's, it's where you have the most followers. So the, the most of your attention is there too. Um, and it's probably related to, you know, the stuff that you write for Bloomberg also, just because it's all part of the same brand or whatever. Um, so it's interesting to hear you say these things. I mean, it's absolutely true. Everything you're saying makes perfect sense. I feel like when I read a tweet uh, storm, when I read a thread, um, there's a couple things that I like about it. One is that it's the, it's very easy to, it's like bite-sized, right? So that's very easy to, to pick up. And it's also, I don't have to go anywhere else. If I'm on Twitter where every, everything is that I'm looking at, I don't have to go to another website. I don't need to click away to read something. I think most people actually like the bite-sized, the bite-sized, uh, info, the bite-sized text. I think a lot of people prefer that. They don't, when they see big paragraphs, they're like, I'm not going to read all that, but I'll read right, this but thread. It's and but I'll read the next one and the next one and the next one. Oh, it is good for them. But that's probably why Twitter is kind of like <laughs> eating candy or junk food. Twitter's Twitter's sort of like imagine if you had to make your entire album full of singles but then in each single was limited to like 56 seconds. 
that sounds like a Meishi album, actually. Well, it kind of does. That was, you know, so like maybe Meishi was like Twitter for rock music. Well, it was short, short attention span theater for sure. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Well, you know, Twitter doesn't seem like it was ever designed to be a place where people, I mean, it's, it's not. It wasn't designed, period. No, it wasn't designed. You're right. It was a complete accident. It's a, a pretty accident. But... It wasn't designed, period. The, these, these guys. A bunch of guys who hated each other and didn't know how to make a thing stumbled onto like an amazing network effect that like of, you know, the Internet and smartphones that was just waiting for someone to stumble on it. And instead of like, you know, Mark Zuckerberg or someone confident, competent, it was just like a bunch of guys who like hated each other and smoked a lot of weed. Yeah. People do not know how much weed was smoked at Twitter for many, many years among the engineers and everyone. Yeah, <laughs> like it was the stonedest company in Silicon Valley. Now, now we're in this place where, like, I'm I'm building a social app. I'm building a chat app, right? And so I have to kind of think about these things. If you were if you were to stumble upon a network effect that you knew was going to work, but it was also also had the potential to destroy <laughs> destroy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like if it was totally destructive or it just did not lead to a pretty place at all. How would you deal with that? Would you actually, would you avoid, I mean, well, I guess there's all kinds of things that technically right. could be network effects. But porn is a network effect, probably. Just, but, yeah. I mean, someone else will do it, right? And and he, here's where it's almost like a hero's journey kind of thing. It's like, well, what's your purpose? You know, what can you see that no one else can see? Um, Maybe it's your duty, right? It's like, Maybe we shouldn't be texting or doing phone calls. Maybe it, it should all be, um, I mean, the, the, to think about what's possible with audio and with listening. It's crazy because you can atomize an entire life, right? The real trouble, I think, is when, and I think, I think I've arrived here, I think many others have, is like when your chosen followers on Twitter or Clubhouse become your family. And the more time you spend listening to them and less to your parents, right? And it's like, this has to be true for, for teenagers and it'll only start younger, right? I mean, the limits of the tribe, right? If we go back to anthropology and like, you know, you got that Dunbar's number, you know, 157 people you can keep up with. And it's like, well, all of a sudden, it's 157. That's the latest I heard. For a long time, I thought it was 150. What is Dunbar's number? We've talked about this before, but for anyone listening who might not know, Noah, do you know? Do you want to go for it? Dunbar's number is—it's like the the basically the number of like people you can really know well in your community. And I don't know why it's 157. Where does like what does that come from? It why not 158? Constant. Yeah. Why not 158? <laughs> what happens with your 158? Are there well, some people I mean, who are I, so socially like inept that they can only manage 154 people? I mean, I think it's less about the person and more about the equipment. I think it's more about the brain and, and how many people you can keep coherent. Because there's a there's a lag time, there's a half life, right? While like while other people are off doing their thing, you necessarily have to pay attention to building the hut or washing the clothes in the river or churning butter. It's like, well, while you're churning butter, 
someone else is out hunting and gathering. And it's like, well, maybe you, you don't see them for five hours, sometimes not, not for five days. Right. It's like, well, you have to be able to remember who that person is, but in all the intensity and focus you did doing your thing, they are off having their own experience. Then you come back together and the brain resyncs. Well, Dunbar's number sounds like bullshit to me, but I do. Yeah, imagine, it's bullshit. Of course, it's bullshit. I, I do imagine How dare that you? I do imagine that I have like a certain constant amount of attention to give and receive from other human beings, and maybe from dogs or cats or rabbits too. But like, there, there's only there's only so much, and some people get more than others, and that's kind of the way that I see it. And I, to be honest, I don't really think about it too much, and maybe it's why I can be a bad friend. Is because I'm I'm not afraid to I'm not afraid to give give people that personal energy even if I don't know them that well. I probably what makes me a friendly person. I mean, do you do you, do you feel Jeff? What, what, like, do you feel like you avoid meeting new people because your 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 Dunbar is full? <laughs> um, that's a good question. I no no, but I'm I'm very. Sl- my bar is very high. It should it makes be. Me sometimes an unsociable person um, because I'm very careful with what I'm listening to. And I, you know, the phrase doesn't suffer fools gladly uh, fits me pretty well. And um, yeah, it's like I'm sort of going to be judging you every like 6, 12, 18 seconds. And it's like, I really won't stay with someone for 18 seconds if I can't see it going somewhere where I think I am going to go. And it's like, I think I've become very particular about what I do hmm. and where I listen, what I stay tuned in for, because it, there's so much good stuff elsewhere, right? Like back to that metaphor of social media is a whole bunch of next steps. It's sort of like a cognitive choose your own adventure. <laughs> Well, that's true, and it's yeah. like that's what our life life is sort of like permissionless narrative development that just kind of flows like a river and you sort of steer the water as best you can but there's forces at work um hungers at work that we maybe don't know how to explain this is this is like the best like cosmic place to get i feel like i just like like i just stepped into it where it's like now we're really all driving this weird river of like well what are we it's like we've we've gone back ten thousand years it's like we're yeah i don't know this moment feels very like mystical now it's like we're in this weird stew of possibility where we could plug in you know and like 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 this makes it the technology question is interesting it's like well let's you know jack in clubhouse or spotify or a reading of some old poem or some old tweets or you know plug into a classroom in china or a gregorian chant training at you know this you know monastery it's like you can do all sorts of crap with just to plug into your ears next it's it's, it's absurd i think it's beautiful like, who, who who's to say what we shouldn't do right mm-hmm. and it goes back to the troubles of like the family right no one's father or mother knows what that kid should do. That's such an old way of thinking about it. You know, go to school, go to work, you know? I know what everyone should do, but no one wants to hear it. Like, you know, I mean, I have the secret to life and happiness and people, and, you know, 
Well, I mean, <laughs> I'm actually going to quote one of your old tweet threads about disaffected young elites. Ooh, uh, that was a fun one. Late twenties, you know, mid to late twenties, and I think the number is getting younger. I mean, there's late twenties. So many... Don't don't discount the people in their thirties who are pissed off. Oh, I'm 34. I'm. You read my. Are you pissed off seeds. yet? It is pure. Li- <laughs> it's pure liquid rage. You, no, your Twitter's pure liquid big. rage. <laughs> What's your handle? <laughs> GP Lewis. Oh, GP Lewis. GP that's Lewis. right. It is. It is where it is. Oh yeah, I, I um, forgot we're in we're in a group chat. I should have known this. <laughs> um, you don't follow me. Well, I think I have you in a list somewhere. <laughs> but also, gone. you pop. You're not in his Dunbar. You you pop up on my feed because well, I don't follow you. Live. So so fair is fair. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, well, you're see the trouble with writers uh-huh. is we're very loud and noisy, and it's like well. If I followed every single thought you put out, that's like eight to twelve percent of my input. Because <laughs> you're saying Noah, you tweet a lot. Well, I guess what I'm saying, and I'll maybe make a joke of it, is like you know you got to like ask it to dinner first, right? Like you're trying to get in to twelve percent of me. It's like, sir, like that that hole is 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 pretty sacred. Don't it's like read my Twitter. There's too much of it. Just subscribe to my Substack, and then you'll get every day a little email. I, yeah. Oh, you you do? I I did. Yeah. Okay. I've, I think I've received four or five issues. Nice. I mean, I also know that you you have one it's of the free. best reads on the real world. Oh, thank you. That is out there now. I I tend to live in. I feel like real life is like twenty percent of my life. I feel like my <laughs> life is eighty percent possibility and imagination that sort of like riffs on the base lever like a base layer of real life mm-hmm. like most of my brain cycles are what this could be instead and i like go back to home base every so often but it's not my only river i just wanted to say jeff you don't follow me on twitter either so which is totally cool i'm like <laughs> i just thought it was funny because you got you you're, you use social media in such a specific way that uh, i do and it's like it's not personal i i binge on people's tweets whom i love almost like that group chat mentality of i want all of it right now so i'm gonna i'm gonna read back three days or two weeks of your tweets right now and like refresh my mental model of you and where you're at and where we are together in this present moment considering the record of linear time that is there on the internet that we can go back and see like a blockchain of thoughts you know have you ever met jaron lanier i have not but i've heard him several times and he's also influential in my you you remind me of him man (laughs) (laughs) that's cool it's funny what you were saying about social media as a choose your own adventure book there's actually someone who i just recent met recently eugene way has a has an article. I love called, Eugene. He's so awesome. He has a blog post. It's called the the Uncanny Valley of Interconnectivity, and uh, it's kind of all about that. If I remember correctly, it's it's about how stuff like social media and Netflix and Amazon and all this stuff is reminded him of choose your own adventure books as a kid. Mm. Oh, huh. uh, yeah. I've been I've been reading a lot of his stuff lately because. So I just got to meet him. Yeah. 
he's had some really great posts in the last few years. He's so good. Yeah. I, uh, I, I want him to advise Jeff on creating Bandcast and turning Bandcast into like a real, you know, social network and content platform. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he uh, is advising me. So, that's so, great. Yeah. That's fucking great. Yeah. You can't, you won't find a, a better, you know, advisor about this stuff than Eugene, I think. Um, this is a huge can of worms and, but probably up your alley. No, uh, <laughs> uh, WeChat and China paired to Apple and the United States. Do you sort of see those as similar um, silos and Apple? walled gardens? No, because Apple, you know, WeChat doesn't make hardware. Like in China, you'd be talking about like Xiaomi or Huawei or whatever, right? Like WeChat is just, you know, software. WeChat's more like, uh, you know, Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's really a, a social media chat software heavy thing. Um, Facebook hasn't really tried to make itself a walled garden very much. It interfaces pretty freely with the web. Sometimes it'll try to keep you within its ecosystem, but usually not. Apple tries to keep you within its hardware ecosystem, but I think that the the sort of practice of trying to like keep all your media consumption within iTunes and blah, blah, blah that died. <laughs> Like, they know that's not going to happen now, and they stopped trying. But basically, it's just, at this point, Apple's just, like, really good brand hardware. It's just, like, you know, it's like Gucci bags for your phone. Well, they've poured a lot of money into original content in the last couple of years. They've bought a bunch of studio space in Los Angeles. They've hired a bunch of talent. I mean, they got some big names to do stuff for, for Apple content. Uh-huh. But I don't think they're a good content company. I think they're... They're no Amazon. They're too, they're too perfectionist. They're no Netflix. They don't know how to be creative with culture. Because I think they're very stodgy when it comes to culture. Right. Hardware, they're great. They're perfectionism. They're like building a car. Right? They're so good right. with hardware. Hardware doesn't, but with, doesn't uh, tran- you know, translate into software. I mean, we all know that. I Well, I'm, I was going to say, I mean, content and programming. And like... TV shows, right? You right. have a sense of humor to, to do that. You have to have a sense of the culture and what's going to resonate with a sensitive human being. That's different from hardware or software. I feel right. like Apple is good at content that is that's content which that's purpose is to sell their hardware. I feel like they've got good stuff. Mm. I mean, I, I worked for their ad agency, Media Arts Lab, and I have I haven't seen like a better team of people doing creative things to basically make commercials and billboards. Um, mm-hmm. Like, mm. like the music that we were, we were, that we were working on was so much more interesting and more like challenging than anything else. And I thought that was pretty interesting for a company like Apple. I guess they've always done that. All they're like, like they're, uh, they're, they're big, they're big, uh, keynote thing this year that was all remote had all this visual effects and 3d and you could do it in oculus or whatever i thought that was i mean they're always going to be groundbreaking when 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 it comes to that kind of content but no they're not a content content platform at all they don't have that i don't think apple tv was ever really a thing it was just uh, Hmm. have you guys ever used an apple tv 
They've been around for like 15 years now. And no. And yeah. only one person I know has. Well, two people, a couple. I knew a couple of people who thought, oh, yes, this is going to be the next big thing. And I thought, well, what does it do? Yeah. <laughs> what does it do? <laughs> Burn. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the TV, and I mean, I'm not sure why I keep bringing it back to the family, but it's like TV used to be the center of the household. I feel like household is just like like blown apart now. Everyone's on their own device dealing with their own thing. I don't know. I mean, and here, feel free to redirect me, but like the the holidays, you know, Christmas, Thanksgiving, I sort of feel like they're like dying. And it's like, Oof. maybe we don't want to come together with our family anymore. Oof, God. I don't know. That's, this is brutal. That is grim. Yes. I don't Stir me away. I mean, I well, do. You, 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 what's the, sorry, mom and dad. I like, love you I like my family. Well, I, I love my family. What but little what, I have of it. What do like, you like, um, do you, you guys have, do your, do your families have like sort of centerpieces of either entertainment or, you know, whatever? Like, do you guys play video games or do you guys just, mm. is it all about food? Cause yeah, it used to be that everyone would gather around the TV and watch a movie or something, right? Mm. We still do that, except then, um, yeah, we still do that. Yeah. Um, right. With weed. <laughs> That's so cool. Families that smoke together. Yeah. That's cool. When I was a kid, my dad was like, don't do drugs. Drugs are bad. Don't do drugs. Drugs are bad. And then I come <laughs> home from like first semester of college. He's like, here's how to make a bong out of a Dr. Pepper can. Oh, man. <laughs> That's uh, so my cool. dad always God. just he would <laughs> oh. my my dad would always tell me like we'd be like watching a movie or something as a kid and he and he'd have to explain to me like the drugs that they were doing in the movie I'd be like how do you know this stuff dad and he's like ah, don't ask me he was like one of those guys because he was a total hippie in the sixties and seventies right my dad my, my dad my dad just smoked weed and and smokes weed a lot of weed mm. that. That seems like rare for his generation to be like a regular stoner. Like if you're not a hippie, that that must be kind of rare. It's a I mean, college he's, he's professor, a college professor lifestyle, right? It's a yeah, I guess. But his his brother is like a very successful businessman. He's made like you know a crap ass ton of money running like old folks' homes and uh, whatnot. Um, and he's a stoner too. <laughs> He is a mass. He's a bigger stoner than my dad. He's a massive stoner. That's my oh, uncle, that's cool. and he's just like, yeah. He just, you know, some he people just, just function money better that way and just smokes weed. Some people. What's he like when he's not stoned? Is he, is he oh, stressed out? Uh, no, he he uh, he talks about the West Wing too much. Oh God, <laughs> he's obsessed with the West Wing still, and has seen the whole show like twenty times. <laughs> like I've known a lot of a lot of very functional stoners. Like some people, that's just their state. Like, but usually, those people seem a little a uh, little high strung when they're not high. Mm. Yeah. Oh, cool. Well, this has been a fun conversation. This has been this has been really interesting, man. We've talked about drugs and social media, and we haven't talked about rabbits enough. In my opinion, we're just getting started. This is a three hour episode. <laughs> three hours. <laughs> we're, we're coming into the second hour of, of, uh, of yeah. which, is your, which is your favorite. We're going to your... go over Bayesianism versus frequentism and probability. We're going to decide whether probabilities exist out in the world or only within our own minds. 
Is this something? <laughs> is this something you've been reading about recently, or is that? No, it's just the most pointless debate in academia. <laughs> it's like it, there should be like a like a compendium, the encyclopedia of pointless debates, and like there'll be a whole section for which is just called Judaism. But then, like <laughs> that'll be one section full of pointless debates. I'm sorry, I'm I'm Jewish, so I've got to make these these jokes. Um, and one of my one of my ancestors was actually a guy. He he was a guy who basically the Jewish community paid to sit around at a, at a yeshiva, which was like sort of a men's club um, for studying like the Talmud or whatever, and just like have pointless arguments about the Talmud with like the other Jewish guys from the village who were paid to do this. Like they were supported <laughs> by like public funds to do this. And I'm like, aha. So like we invented like English departments basically. Wow. So well, Jeff, I mean, <laughs> Jeff and I last night talked about Canada and the UK funding their artists. And it's like, well, philosophers going and BSing about scripture, that's, that's the arts. I mean, that's philosophy. It's like poetry. Yeah, it's like, that's important for, for people to have time to do this, right? Now, now, next time you and I will have to go deep on Substack. And I, I have long rants about creativity and money, which are waiting to burst forth. So creativity and money. I want to hear about that. Jeffrey knows that I can go wild yeah. in that realm. I could do three hours on that seven days a week. I, I just wanted to ask, do you guys know what a comparative literature department is and what it's for? It's one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, it always seemed interesting. Like when I was, when I was an undergrad, like there are people studying comparative literature, but I didn't know exactly what it was. And I, I'm curious, you guys know. Do people just compare literature? Is that it? <laughs> anyway, let that let that be a rhetorical question. I don't compare literature. I don't. I there are people who sit around in universities and read books and compare them to one another. And then, that, I guess that's true. It is. It's that's called what comparative we do all day conflict. on Twitter. It's ten thousand little cycles of comparative literature. That's all we've been doing online for ten years. That's right. Yeah. Like oh, people head. are so worried oh, about like defunding of the humanities they're like oh my god we're gonna you know we're gonna have fewer like literature professors i'm like everyone on twitter is now a literature professor we've turned the entire world yeah. into a complex part <laughs> i i wonder i i often wonder if a lot of these humanities professors could could like get their own audiences and end up kind of teaching in, yeah. in a more distributed way rather than being under the envelope of their, uh, under the uh, um, umbrella of their universities. I've kind of like That's been it. interested in seeing that happen, but um, there's lots of reasons why you'd want, why you'd want institutions to exist. Just God. I mean, I, I mean, if we got Justin Murphy of indie thinkers, he's like at the, lead of this thing left academia is doing his own thing with his own paid community he's at the edge of it his podcasts are super super good he's a very quality intellectual um and he's also like a badass as far as like changing the world what's he done be incredible um you know what i will let him speak on that oh good point yeah justin murphy on 
on Twitter. He's Dustin he's, yeah. So, cool. so, crazy, crazy that you don't know. About I'm, him. I'm terrible at changing the world. So I kind of want to figure out how people do it when they do it. Cool. Well, being a teacher is, is becoming a different thing than it's been for the last hundred years uh, or long or longer. It's like now I, so I'm a teacher. I teach at an institution. I teach at a university and I rely on the university to take care of a lot of administrative stuff. But if I want to grow as a teacher, if I wanted this to be my career for a long time, I would have to do a lot of stuff to make sure that I was teaching people outside of the institution and growing um, all over the world, basically. And a lot of people do this now. You know, they, 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 that's why there's so many people on YouTube with YouTube channels. They're teaching things. They're writing their own books, their own papers, um, their own blogs and journals. They have their own students. Sometimes they do, you know, whatever. Some do Udemy or um, whatever the other online <laughs> online course courses are and stuff like that. But th- that's where that that career is really changing. <laughs> and I wonder, I wonder if we're going to see like a big academic exodus at some point in the future. I don't know. All three of us went to pr- pretty good school. Like uh, Jeff, you you went to UCLA, right? Fact. Yeah. So we're, we're all products of of pretty good schools. And uh, so I don't want to devalue it, but it's one of those things where I can't no, help. It's but really think about good. It. Education is really good, for sure. Um, Education is good. <laughs> I guess so. Education is it, important when you're. Yeah, when you don't. I mean, wait, I, no, I'm, Jeff. I'm, education is bad. No one should have education. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Well, I, I, I guess I, I was I was wondering what exactly you mean by education. Haven't you ever listened to Pink Floyd? <laughs> we don't need no. Yeah, yeah. I do. So mm-hmm. there. I mean, QED. Yeah. Proof. So, <laughs> well, to be educated and then to have an education are those the same things? Oh man, what it's what a lame question. <laughs> well, here, are we going for three hours tonight or three hours? Yeah, we three should... hour podcast. <laughs> I'm I'm down to keep going if you guys are, or we can wrap it up soon. Um, Let's wrap. Why don't we just wrap it up soon and then like come back for yeah round two later on. Yeah, we'll go. We'll yeah. do another one of these. I know it's been a crazy couple of days, so yeah. So let's 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 wrap this up. Well, cool. Um, thanks everybody for listening, and you know, check out check out Jeff stuff, GP Lewis, and you you know our handles. So so Jeff, thanks again for joining us, and we'll uh, we'll come back. We'll do this next you week or something. Jeff, thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun. There were, yeah, this could spawn three to five other branches of conversation and very beautiful fights and explorations to do. So thank you guys both so much. And for anyone listening. Thank you. Cool. I'm going to hit stop. I'll stay.